This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. I want to read a statement uh, to our community this evening. And this statement is being read this evening uh, at City Church in Seattle, Washington, and in Miami, Florida at VU Church. Kind of us three, um, really guys that preach at our, at, our, at our conference, some of my best friends in the world and in ministry. And um, this was drafted together this morning, and, and uh, it was Rich's idea that Rich texted in to the group text and said, you know, I think we ought to read this statement at all of our church services in all of our cities. And so I want to read something off the heels of what happened yesterday, that which was so evil and so demonic in Charlottesville, Virginia. And I want to say as the pastor of this church that we are standing and lifting up our voice and we are declaring for those that can't declare for themselves hope and healing and the name of Jesus. Amen. So if it's okay, I'd like to read this. I think it might come on the screens, but let me just read this statement to you. Our church is a place where all are welcome and everyone belongs, where every individual has equal value before God. This isn't a concept conceived by man, but a mandate from heaven, perfectly exemplified in the life of Jesus. We endeavor to live our lives as such. However, the recent tragic events that have taken place in Charlottesville, Virginia, serve as further evidence that there are still those who do not hold that same belief. These are not political acts. These are acts of hatred. Racism is real. It's a sin and it's not okay. It can be blatant or subtle, sometimes displayed intentionally, which is diabolical, and sometimes displayed with ignorance, which is inexcusable. We cannot live ignorantly toward racism, not in our country, not in our cities, not in the workplace, and not in our church community. Racism is not political, it's spiritual, and our silence is not an option. We've started the conversation and it must continue. We all need to be intentional about putting ourselves in another person's world, walking in their shoes and seeing what the world looks like from behind their eyes. The Bible says the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding, Proverbs 4 verse 7. With all of, will all of you continue to purpose in your heart to be intentional in your relationships with people who do not look like you? Will you commit to speak love, speak truth, and declare Jesus to all? Will you endeavor to live openly, live generously, and treat everyone with graciousness, even as God has been so gracious with you? Will you continue to pray for the victims to these racist acts and pray for our country? May God give us the grace to declare what is right in the midst of so much wrong. May we live and proclaim love in spite of so much evil and hatred. May we have the integrity to stand beside our African-American brothers and sisters and all who are marginalized. The evil of racism will not merely go away and we cannot before God stay silent. So think before you speak, but do not fail to speak. But do not fail to speak. And of course pray, let's pray, and let's pray together as a community right now. And... um. I think it'd just be very fitting if we prayed right now and believed with faith that God will use us. Although we may be in Los Angeles, what happens in this room can affect people around the world. 
And we're going to believe right now that what I just read, that love will prevail. Hope will overcome. That light will literally overcome darkness. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Jesus, we need you. We ask for healing to happen in our hearts and in our country. We pray right now, God, that you would touch those who have been impacted locally and nationally, even globalized. Globally, God, we pray that you would heal. We pray that you would touch. We pray that you would comfort. We thank you that right now you are touching hearts, that you are lifting heads. We speak hope where there seems to be no hope in America. And we ask that you touch our great nation. Lord, heal our land. You said in your word that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, that you said that you will hear from heaven, you will forgive us of our sins, and you will heal our land. So right now we're doing that, God. We're coming to you for help. We believe it in Jesus' name, and we all said together. Come on, a little bit louder. Let's put our hands together. Let's thank God. I'm going to ask you to clap a little bit louder if you got faith. Come on, if you got belief. Come on, that Jesus can overcome. Amen? Amen. Thanks so much for leaning in. Let's, let's speak up and use our voice. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's go in the Bible. Acts chapter 20. Thank you, worship team. One more time, put your hands together for the worship team. They're so fantastic. Acts chapter 20. Go to verse number 24. I want to preach a new series. We're going to stay on the theme of grace, but I want to start a new series. I'll tell you the title in just a moment. But I want to share some verses out of the life of Paul. Paul, if you're not familiar with the Bible, Paul gives us the doctrine of grace, our theology on who Jesus is, our belief structure of who we are now in Christ, that we've been justified by faith, that we are righteous by faith. All of these writings and belief come to us from the life of the Apostle Paul. Now, we, we have to understand that in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus, when he was here on earth for 33 years, he never preached grace. In fact, the Gospels really are not filled with grace teachings because Jesus himself, he is grace. We don't get the Gospel or the doctrine of grace until Paul. Now, Paul is on a journey. He, at this time of his life, when he was early, early on in his years, he was against Christianity. He was against God. He was totally against the ways of Jesus. In fact, he despised Christianity so much that he was a Christian killer. He would literally kill Christians. He's on his way to go perform an evil act. He's on his way to go perform this form of hatred. And on his way, grace shows up and intercepts his life. Come on, anybody believe today that there's none of your friends or family that are too far gone that grace can't intercept their life and rescue them out of that evil. Come on, anybody have faith today for those that are affected by Charlottesville, but even the perpetrators and the violators of Charlottesville. Nobody is too far gone. So God gets a hold of Paul. He gets caught up in grace. He gets discipled in grace. And that's why in the New Testament, Paul gives us our belief of what grace really is. Now, here in Acts, this is the end of Paul's life. And Paul is writing to his audience, or he's, he's saying this to his audience. Guys, I've got to leave you and go on to the next city because I feel arrested by the Holy Spirit to go preach the gospel of grace. 
Let me just read these scriptures to you and watch what Paul says here to his crowd. He says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. In other words, translation, Paul's saying, man, I'm excited about it. I've got joy about it. I'm going to this next city. I feel, one translation says, bound by the Holy Spirit. He feels arrested to do this thing. Let me just speak to some of the people in the room today. You feel like you're in Los Angeles because God arrested you and called you to Los Angeles. There are things that you're about to step into that's not your idea, it's God's idea. Let me just tell you, when, when Julie and I moved our children from Seattle to Los Angeles, this was not my dream, this was God's dream. We felt arrested by God to come do this thing. Paul is saying, I feel arrested by the Holy Spirit to go to this next city and declare the gospel of grace. Now let's just look at these two words, gospel and grace. Gospel by definition, gospel really what that means is good news. Because at its core, the gospel is good news. It's not good news to a few people. It's not good news to some people with money. It's not good news just to poor folks. It's not good news to some skin tone. It is good news to all of humanity. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So this is the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is. That we are no longer under the law. We are no longer slaves to the law. We are no longer bound to the law. But the good news is that Jesus came. The Savior has come. He has died on the cross so that you and I might have everlasting life. He said, I got to go to the next city to declare the gospel, the good news of grace. The gospel of grace. What is grace? We've been talking about it every week, that grace is not a principle. Grace is a person. Grace has a name, and his name is Jesus. He's the face of grace. He's the embodiment of grace. Jesus didn't preach grace. He just is grace. He's saying, i got to go to this city. I have to get there to declare the good news of Jesus, the gospel of grace. I love this. He's saying, guys, you're not going to see my face no more because I'm about to get in this city and I'm about to preach the place down and declare, I don't know what you've heard. I don't know where you're from. I don't know what you heard about me. What? But I'm a pastor that is a P-I-M-P. <laughs> Dumbest thing I've ever done. <laughs> but it kind of worked. He said, I, like that just, like I can't check it down. I can't be like, don't do it, man. Like I just got to do it. Come on, man. Be sophisticated. Not going to happen. Anyways, he said, I got to get in this city and declare the gospel of grace. I believe that the gospel is more wild than you believe it is. The gospel is more relentless and outrageous than you can fathom. 
I believe that you cannot confine the gospel into these four walls. You cannot put it into a box. I believe that every time you try and define the gospel, it will wow you. It will amaze you. It is beyond our understanding. It goes, goes to the darkest places of our society. It goes to the darkest places of your heart. It goes to the places that nobody else wants to touch. I want to preach a message tonight and start a new series. You can write down the title. It's called A Wild Gospel Called Grace. Paul was walking in the city to declare something so wild, something so outrageous, something that cannot be contained, a force to be reckoned with. I want to preach about a wild gospel. It's called grace. Let's pray one more time and believe that God will come and speak to us this evening. Jesus, we worship you. We thank you for who you are. We acknowledge that you are good, you are kind, you are loving. We are believing on a night like tonight that you will come and open up our eyes so we can see your son open up our ears so we can hear the Holy Spirit do something unique and profound. We love you more than life itself. And God, we are believing together that this year the Los Angeles Lakers will win the NBA championship. We believe it in Jesus' name and everybody said together. Come on, put your hands together tonight. If you got a little bit of faith, a little bit of faith, you never know what God could do. Um. Any parents in the house tonight, just raise your hand if you're a parent here tonight. I love being a parent. I've got four children now. Three of them are born. One of them's on the way. And um, I've got a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old, and, and, and my wife is pregnant. By the way, our due date is Super Bowl Sunday. So we're going to, the Rams, the, the Los Angeles Rams are going to win a Super Bowl, and we're going to have a baby on February 4th. Mark it on your calendar. The prophet has spoken. So, so. So I love being a dad. One of my favorite things in the world is being a dad. And my boys, my two boys, my three-year-old and my one-year-old, they are just hashtag wild. I mean, they are wild. In particular, my one-year-old. My one-year-old Maverick, my one-year-old Maverick Montgomery, this kid is a wild child. Like, the way that my one-year-old expresses his love, he doesn't really hug you. He just hits you as hard as he can, and that is his indication, I love you. That's just how he says it. That's how he communicates. The other day, we went to the beach, and we set up all the towels and, and got the umbrella out, and, 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 and we put, you know, the, the swim diaper on him and his shorts, and as soon as he knew he had everything on that he needed to go in the water, he just booked it for the ocean. Like, he just took off. Never looked back to see if anybody he was going to join him. Never looked back to see if he had a swim, uh, like a little swimmer thing on. No, he just, because he's a wild man. He's a wild child. He just, he loves to scream and he loves to hit and he, he just, uh, right now at our house, we are watching the movie Sing on repeat, repeat. Have you seen the movie Sing? The movie sings unbelievable. My, 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 my son, Maverick, he doesn't like any of the sweet, fun songs. I mean, there's so many amazing songs on sing. My son, Maverick, only likes the rock and roll songs that make his foot go like this, and he can play air guitar too. He's a wild child. I want to preach tonight about a gospel that is so wild. It is so outrageous. It is so outlandish. It is cannot be boxed, cannot be contained. It is on the run. It is going to places that you never could have imagined. Come on, anybody thankful tonight that the gospel is out loose. It's on our streets. It's in our, come on, y'all be louder than that. If you're grateful tonight for a wild gospel, it is called grace. 
And I just have to imagine Paul saying, guys, you're not going to see my face anymore. I'm going to this next city to declare the gospel of grace. I just, my imagination starts to work, and I start to wonder when he got to this city, how did he describe the gospel of grace? Perhaps Paul would use his own testimony and tell this next city, guys, let me testify and tell you my story. Perhaps Paul would go through a whole litany of stories of of Jesus where he encountered the man who was a leper, where he encountered the woman at the well, where he encountered blind Bartimaeus, where he encountered the father with the sick child. Perhaps he used some gospel stories. But my mind starts to imagine what what would he describe, how would he tell the audience what the gospel of grace really look like. I start to go Old Testament and perhaps Paul the Apostle went back to that Old Testament story in the book of Hosea about a young zealous preacher named Hosea who God spoke to and got a hold of and asked him to go marry a harlot. Perhaps Paul used this analogy to describe the gospel of grace. You know the story of Hosea and Gomer. Hosea, he's a young preacher. Hosea is a man of God. Hosea has a reputation in the city. He is upright before God. He's being used by the Lord. Hosea is somebody, and God comes and speaks to him. And when God speaks to him, he says, Hosea, I want you to go down to the brothels. I want you to go down to the brothels, and I want you to purchase for yourself a harlot. And say, what? I want you to buy a harlot, go down and get, in fact, I want you to purchase Gomer. God, I just want to understand correctly, sir. You want me to buy a harlot and her name is Gomer? (laughs) Sir, can I first ask who are her parents and why did they name her Gomer? Do her parents hate, is she ended up here because of her name? Sir, I, I just, I'll do what you want, but for real, Gomer, sir? The Bible says Hosea goes down and he purchases for himself and obeys God and he gets himself a harlot named Gomer. He brings her in. He's taking care of her. He's serving her. It would take radical grace to purchase this woman. It would take radical grace to have a marriage with a harlot. It would take radical grace to faithfully serve and protect this woman. The Bible says that Hosea and Gomer, they start to produce offspring. In fact, they have some kids. And we don't know if if Gomer just got bored. We don't know if there was friction in the home. We don't know what caused her to do this. But the Bible tells the story that Gomer she can't handle the safety and the protection but she backslides she cheats on her man and she goes back to the brothels and for a second time she becomes a prostitute again this now represents broken marriage broken vows broken life He's broken over it. He can't believe it. She's gone back to the brothels. He's like, God, why in the world do you ask me to do things? I could have told you this was going to happen. I could have told you she'd end up there. Has God ever asked you to do something that you knew might bring you frustration? And when it brought you frustration, you looked at God and said, see, I told you so. See, I told you we'd have no money. I told you we'd end up in this circumstance. What did I tell you, God? Now Hosea is frustrated with God. He's like, God, now I'm a single parent. I've got these children. And she's down back to where she used to be. And here I am. I'm supposed to be the preacher, God. I'm supposed to be the man of God in my home. I'm supposed to be the man of God in my church. God comes a second time to Hosea. 
And he says, Hosea, I want you to go back and I want you to purchase Gomer back for you a second time. Say, what? Yeah, I want you to go back a second time, Hosea. This is, this is an embodiment of my love for Israel. I want you to go down and I want you to bargain, find your wife, and I want you to purchase her back. Hosea has to go back to the brothels and ask the guys, hey, have you seen her? Anybody seen, seen Gomer? Wait, go, isn't that your wife? Yeah, 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 enough, bro. Have you, have you seen her? I haven't seen her. All right, if you see her, can you let me know? He's looking for his wife. He's trying to find her. Once again, he finds her, and he has to get into a bidding war, and he ends up paying a certain amount of money to bring his wife back home a second time. I want to tell you today, the gospel is more wild. It is more radical. It is more, it is more outlandish than you could ever imagine. Anybody thankful tonight? This, this is a story. This is a foreshadow of what Jesus would do for you and I. Just give you a few thoughts to write down about grace tonight. I love this about grace. Grace loves us when we are at our worst. Oh, I'm telling you, the Bible says, yet while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. In other words, when you were at your worst, God was planning his best. When you were at your worst, God was making a way towards you. You did not find God, God found you. God found you in your depression. God found you in your brokenness. God found you in your addiction. God found you in your rebellion. God found you when you had no place. You had no right. You had no idea. God found you. The gospel goes to the darkest places. The gospel gets in the nitty gritty. Anybody thankful today that God found you when you were broken? God found you when you had no clue. I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight, but I felt like reminding you. Do you remember when you were at? Do you remember that place? Do you remember? Remember that brokenness when you're at your worst? He's planning his best. Here's, here's Gomer, and she's thinking she's unlovable, and she's gone too far and done too much. And here comes a mighty prince, a mighty warrior, a man of God that comes and says, sweetie, no, 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 I'm going to rescue you. You come out here. I, I'm telling you today, you might feel like you're in your worst, but can I encourage you tonight? Just because you feel one way doesn't mean God feels the same. You might feel icky and gross and disgusting. You might feel like everybody's repulsed by your behavior. You might feel like you don't deserve anything. That's not how God feels. God feels love. God feels compassion. God feels pursuit. God feels desire. God feels relationship. Come on, anybody thankful tonight? You may feel one way. That doesn't mean God's feeling the same. When I'm at my worst, he's still planning his best. When I'm not doing good, he's planning his best. When I'm rebelling and turning my back, he's planning his best. God is not giving you your be his best right now because of your behavior. He's not giving you his best right now because you're so great. He is giving you his best because he is so great. He is so faithful. The Bible says even when you are faithless, he remains faithful. This is so God. I'm planning my best when she's at her worst. I'm going to go and rescue her. God has rescued us. He has redeemed us. He has pulled us out. He has helped us. I love this so much about who God is. Write down point number two about grace. I love this. Grace number one, it will show up when we are at our worst. He always does that. But write down point number two this evening. I love this thought. Grace, in addition to that, grace will also cover you when you fall in and fall away. 
Grace will cover you when you fall in and you fall away. When you have fallen in and you fall away. What, what, what happens here with Gomer? Gomer's at home and she's got a great man of God and she's married and she's doing good. Some of us, we can do church for a while and we're like faithful for a little bit and we're trying to do the God thing, but all of a sudden we find ourselves lured back and tempted back and we fall in and we fall away. Can I encourage you, when you fall in and fall away, we do not serve the God that exposes your failures. In fact, the Bible says quite the opposite. The Bible teaches us that love covers a multitude of sins. We live in this culture that's like, if you mess up, we're going to make a meme about you. You mess up, we're going to tell everybody about you. Some of us are, are so addicted to listening to the voice of the serpent, the liar, that wants to accuse you. And watch what Satan wants to convince you of. He wants to always tell you, I'm going to expose you. I'm going to expose, everybody's going to find out what you really are. Everybody, I'm going to tell everybody your secret. I'm going I'm to, I'm, I'm, I'm just, you, you just buckle up, buddy, because I'm about to expose you. Satan, the liar, wants to expose you, but God in grace wants to cover you. When you have fallen in and you've fallen away, we serve the God. What does he say to Hosea? He didn't tell Hosea, get up in front of the church and say it's her fault. He didn't say, tell the kids into a family meeting, your mom is a whore. He didn't say any of that. He said, I want you to get your money and go back down there and you cover that girl and you blanket her and you get her and you bring her back. I want to just tell you, if you're part of Zoe Church, we are not a church that exposes other people's failures. We are not a church that's going to kick somebody when they're down. We are a church that's going to cover folks and help folks. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but I felt like encouraging somebody. You might feel down. You might feel defeated, but let us come alongside and we're going to cover you with grace. That's grace. Grace always covers. That's why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 12, it says love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy. It is not rude. It is not proud. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily provoked to anger. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always protects. It always perseveres. Love never fails. Wow. This is the love of God in Gomer's life. This is God's pursuit. Don't you worry. You might have fallen in and fallen away, but that doesn't change my commitment. I'm coming down. Have you seen her? Have you found? Where's my wife? My wife, I, I need to know. Where, where's she at? Now, I'm not scared of your tattoos and the fact that you got a monster drink in your hand. Where is she? Where's Gomer? Dang, yeah, that's my wife. Where is she? Coming to find her, and I'm going to rescue her with an unrelenting love, with a compassionate love. I'm bringing my girl home. Because even when you're in your darkest place, this is so God, God always finds a way to open a door for you to come home. God always finds a way to just give you a door. And see, so you say, you know, I'm coming home. I thought the door was shut. I thought the relationship was over. I thought the thing was dead. But God opened a door. I, business leader, God can open a door that you can't. Let me, let me just tell you, God can open doors that no man can open up. God's going to open doors for Zoe in Los Angeles that no man can open up. Come on, somebody give me a little bit of faith tonight. If you believe in the God that opens doors and closes doors. Before God ever asked, before God ever asked Hosea to go get Gomer, he starts to prophesy and tell, he starts to tell Hosea what he's going to do with her. Watch what he says here in Hosea chapter 2. Watch what he says about calling Gomer back home. I love this. It says, therefore, behold, 
chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Therefore, behold, I will allure her. I will bring her back into the wilderness, and I will speak comfort to her. I will give her her vineyards from there and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. She shall sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. Do you hear what God is saying? He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lure her. I'm going to woo her back. I'm going to romance her back. What, this is Bible, church. Come on. Romans chapter 2. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. He said, I'm going to lure her. I'm going to speak. What did he say? I'm going to speak comfort to her. In other words, Hosea is not going down to no brothel going, woman, get your butt back home. You know you embarrass me. You're so, are you serious? He's not speaking harsh. He's not berating. He's not belittling. Some of us think that the voice of the serpent is the voice of God and you have confused what Satan speaks versus what God speaks. And so when, 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 when that voice starts telling you how dumb you are and how bad you are and how messed up you are, you start thinking that's God. That's not God. Because when God starts talking, he always speaks in life. He always speaks in comfort. He always speaks in peace. He says, come on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to woo you back. I'm going to comfort you. Come here, sweetie. Come here. Come here. I, I love you. Come here, sweetie. Come on. Come back home. Ah. I'm, I, I, bought, I bought you again. Come here. I love you so much. The kids and I, we, so, some of you need to hear the right voice tonight. God loves you. He is for you. He's pleased with you. He's obsessed with you. He's happy about you. He smiles at you. Somebody praise the Lord tonight if you're grateful that he always woos us with comforting words. I feel the Holy Spirit speaking to some people tonight. And so he says, I'll allure her and I'll speak comforting words and I'll, I'll create, she's going to sing again like her youth. Because one thing, when you're in bondage, you lose your voice. You will lose your voice. Every time you're stuck in sin, you always lose your voice. But you watch it in worship. Those that are not bound by the clutches of sin, you watch it. it it's expressed in your praise. Your freedom always shows up in your worship. And so he says, I'll, I'll free her and I'll bring her out and I'll actually, I will literally, I'll open a door of hope. Woo, I love this part. I'll open a door of hope. So many of us think that the relationships that we're in right now and the situations we're facing right now are so hopeless. But when God gets involved, he opens up a door of hope where there seemed to be no hope. I'll tell you right now, in Charlottesville and in Virginia and in our country, it looks hopeless. But when God shows up on the scene, he can open up a door of hope. And he can present hope where there seems to be no hope. Where there was once brokenness, he can bring redemption. When there once was torment, he can bring peace. Where there once was depression, he can bring joy. Where there once was weakness, he can bring strength. That's what God does. It's a door of hope. He says, I'm going to open up a door of hope for I was staying with some friends recently and I was staying at their house and I, I had to get up early in the morning and leave the house to catch an Uber and um, <laughs> so I, 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 I'm getting out of the house and, and I walked by the, I was very struck by this I walked by the kids bedrooms and all of the kids they have three kids at this house all of the kids bedrooms their doors were wide open and I, I've seen this as a parenting tactic. I love it because what they're saying is, number one, we don't want our children to be messing around late at night looking at things or any sort of behavior. So with that open door and a little bit of a lamp on, we're, there's, there's not only accountability, but there's freedom for us to walk in and for them to come see us. 
So I love that parenting tactic. I've seen parents do this. And I'm walking by and the door being wide open, it spoke something to me. And, and I, I want to use it as an analogy that you would understand that there's, there's a door that's open from heaven tonight. And it's not, it's not only so the Father can walk into your room, but it's also that you can walk to God. Because the, watch what the Bible says in Revelation. It says, Behold, I stand at the door, and I what? I knock. That if anybody were to open that door, the Father and I, we will come and make our home in you. So when you open the door of your heart, God, he makes his home in you. But the door is open for you to walk also out of the brokenness and out of the situation. So you say, I got some hope from grace, and I'm going to walk out, and I'm going to be free in Christ. So he's, he, he's saying, I'm going I'm to help Gomer so she knows this is not just a Hosea thing. This is her decision as well. It's not, it's not only that I purchase you, but at the end of the day, sweetie, you're going to have to walk through the door of hope. Because you've got the decision. When I bring you home, you've got free will. You can still go back to the brothel. But I'm believing you're going to walk through the door of hope and say, I don't want to go back to that old life. I want home. I want safety. I want protection. I want community. I want freedom. I want life. I want relationship. I want uprightness. Come on, somebody thank God today. There's a door of hope that's open to you today. I'm telling you, it's open today. It's going to be open tomorrow. It's going to be open Tuesday. Day, a door of hope is available every single day. That's why the Bible says in Lamentations chapter 3, because of the steadfast love of the Lord, we are not consumed by his wrath because his mercies are new every single morning. It's a door of hope every single day. Write down this next point about grace. I love this. Grace always gives us a door of hope, number one, but grace, the next, or, or number three, but grace will always buy us back. Time and time again, grace will buy us back, not just the first time, but it will keep going back and buy us back time and time again. This is so God. This is so grace. Hosea goes and buys her a first time. She goes back. He buys her a second time. Now, the book of Hosea is only three chapters, and so we don't know the end or the moral of the story at the very end, how things ended. But what I, what I can tell you about God is this. Even if Gomer were to go back again to the brothels, do you think God would have crossed his arms and said, Hosea, she's unreachable? Hosea, don't waste your money. Don't waste your energy. That girl right there, she, she, she is a harlot. She always going to be a harlot. She was raised a harlot. She got harlot in her veins. Let's move on, man. No, that's not grace. Because grace has this ability to go buy us back and give us a second chance. And then it comes back when we, you and I, how many times have we backslidden? How many times have we rebelled? How many times have we turned our back? How many times have we found ourselves back in that same old spot, that same old relationship, that same old thinking pattern? And every single time, God comes and buys us back again. And says, no, 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 we're not going to let you live over here. Come on, I'm bringing you back home. And somehow you found your way back. Don't you worry about it. I'm going to come. I want to encourage you tonight. You cannot exhaust your, 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 your chances with God. God is just going to keep showing up. He's going to keep freeing you. He's going to keep on helping you. He might not just buy you one time or two times, but he will buy you time and time and time again. I love this so much about grace, that grace is so relentless. It is such a pursuit of heaven.
that God keeps. Listen, just because you become a Christian one time, that old analogy that God leaves the 99 safe Christians to go find that one lost sheep. Don't think that just because God brought you home one time and you said yes to an altar call and you raised your hand and you served God for a while and you rebelled and went back, don't you think that God is not pursuing your life? God is hunting you down. God is finding you where you are. Listen, I never worry when people walk away from the faith. I never have anxiety when people turn their back on God because the Holy Spirit is the greatest pastor on the planet and the Holy Spirit will speak life and declare truth and remind us of what Jesus has spoken and he'll keep he gonna keep hunting you down you can get yourself in that situation you can go back to that thing but you just listen you can play the harlot all you want but you're gonna know in your ear I love you I'm for you I've got a plan for you I've got destiny for you I've got calling for you it's better at home I don't know who I'm encouraging tonight but I felt like just telling you God's gonna buy you back every single time Are you grateful tonight, church? Come on, let's clap our hands and thank God. Worship team, I want you to come back and join me. I've already preached too long. This is the last thing I want you to write down. You can stand to your feet as you write down this last thought tonight. Hope this is encouraging somebody tonight. Just write down the last thought. Grace makes no sense at all. His love is beyond our understanding. Grace makes no sense at all. His love... Is beyond our understanding. Worship team, you can come on out. I already preached over time. Forgive me because I just got excited and I started yelling. You can, everybody, you can stand to your feet. Let's all stand together. Grace is beyond our understanding. It's beyond anything we can comprehend. Cannot be boxed. It's really hard to describe grace. You know, the Bible actually teaches us in Ephesians chapter 3 that we can't even comprehend how powerful and how big grace is. It is beyond description. And grace is so irrational. It is not like how you and I see grace. It is beyond our natural understanding. And I encourage you, wherever you're at in your faith journey, grace is relentless in your life. Grace is pursuing you tonight. Grace is in your world. Oh, I wish I could have been there. To hear the Apostle Paul walk into that city and to declare the good news of the gospel of grace. This gospel is wild. It is so unrelenting. It will pursue you. It will help you. It will free you. It will lift you up. And I want to declare at Zoe Church, we are a grace community. Because we receive grace, we're going to give grace. We're going to give grace to ourselves. We're going to give grace to our neighbor. We're going to give grace to people in our nation. Come on, one more time. Let's put our hands together. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you were inspired and encouraged by the message. To get more information about Zoe Church, check out our website, www.zoechurch.org, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe Church LA. Have a blessed day.